0: Let me uh, let me refocus here a little bit more local, closer to home. So, in case you are not aware, there is a uh, there's a race for mayor in Huntersville, and there are a couple of can- well, there are three candidates to replace Mayor Melinda Bales. So you got two Republicans and one Democrat, but technically it is a nonpartisan race. Okay, so we're supposed to ignore the party labels. We're supposed to ignore their party affiliations or anything because it's all nonpartisan. Right. So you're not going to get to see the party label when they go to vote or when you go to vote in the mayor's race in uh, Huntersville. As well as the uh, town commission, the town board. So um, you got three candidates. You got. Former State House Representative Christy Clark, she's a leftist, and Derek Partee and Dan Boone. Partee and Boone are both Republicans. But what's interesting here, by the way, Melinda Bales is running for State House next year to replace John Bradford. John Bradford is the only Republican in the uh, Mecklenburg County delegation. Uh, and he's running for state treasurer. So uh, he's leaving his seat to run for state treasurer, and Melinda Bales leaving the mayorship in Huntersville, she's running for the Republican nomination uh, for that seat. Um, Christy Clark, rumor has it uh, that she's running for mayor now because she was going to get primaried by her own folks in um in that district that she was in. I think it's uh it was like ninety-eight, I think it was. Former I think yeah, I think she was in ninety-eight. Anyway, uh that's why uh she started her, uh set her sights on the mayor's race in Huntersville. And it's nonpartisan, so you won't see right, you won't see the D's and the R's, right? Isn't that the idea? So um What I thought was interesting on this was that Christy Clark has apparently recruited some people to run for the town council race, uh, town commission races. Hang on a second. I'm reading this again. This is from Axios.com. Well, they do list them. So maybe, well, no, because then they would have to have a primary. Former state house representative Christy Clark and town commissioners Derek Party and Dan Boone will face off to replace Mayor Melinda Bales. Right. So hang on. I'll double check this uh, over at the Mecklenburg County Board of Elections to make sure that it is nonpartisan. If I recall correctly, it was a nonpartisan election, and so therefore you could kind of hide in plain sight. That's the whole benefit of it, of course, is to hide in plain sight, so you don't. Um, You don't have to tell people what party you are because, you know, I'm just, you know, regular community member, that kind of thing. But she apparently went out and got a whole bunch of people uh, to run for uh, town commission as well. And they are also very much of the left. In fact, I saw one of the one of the names uh, rang a bell. Amanda. Dumas. Do you remember this name? Amanda Dumas. Uh, Dumas, sorry. Amanda Dumas. There was a big article about her and her kid who's trans at a very, very, very young age. Charlotte Observer did a big story, front page, whatever, about her. She's running for this one of these uh, town commission seats. Um, So you got that effort going on. But then you also have, I think an interesting development, which is that you've got uh, one of the Republican candidates for mayor, Derek Partee. He got endorsed by Charlotte's mayor, Vi Lyles, who is a Democrat. So she's endorsing Partee. Now, maybe because Christy Clark is too leftist, or, or what well, I don't know. But this this actually came from this is from a Facebook video posted up by Charlene Henderson. She's running for Charlotte City Council. She posted this on uh, her Facebook page because she got a uh, a shout out from Vi Lyles at Vi Lyles's campaign announcement uh, back in June. A lot of people in here that have decided that they want to serve in government, and I want to recognize those folks. And actually, I want to start off with Derek Partee. Derek, where are you? There's a little town that you don't call them little anymore. There's a town with almost 70,000 people that um, they're looking for a leader. They're looking for someone that's going to be the mayor. And we can influence this because Derek has agreed to run for Huntersville mayor. And we need to support him. So wait a minute. The Charlotte mayor announces she's running for re-election, and at her kickoff, she highlights him, a Republican, running for Huntersville, and said, we can influence this. That's what she says. We can influence this. Now, I don't know, like, I guess, like, through, what, get-out-the-vote efforts or phone calls, whatever, but the Charlotte city mayor, right, she she doesn't get a vote in the Huntersville race, nor do any Charlotte citizens. They don't get to vote in that Huntersville race. Only residents of Huntersville get to vote in that. And I did just confirm, yes, I have it written down right here. Nonpartisan candidates. So the so the mayor's race is nonpartisan. So that you're not gonna know D's and Rs next to these three candidates' names: Christy Clark, Derek Partee, and Dan Boone. Dan Boone, the other Republican, but not endorsed apparently by Vi Lyles. This is your time. time. I want to thank I want to thank Mayor Lyles. Um, I want to also thank the BCP because without them, I would not be standing in the seat of power up in Huntersville. All right, so hang on. I think he misspoke there. That he said he called it the BCP. I think he meant to say BPC, which is the Black Political Caucus. And so he's because he's on the town commission, I believe now. And so he's crediting the Black Political Caucus for getting him on the commission as a basically city council member. So now he's there with Vi Lyles. And he's now saying he's running for mayor. She's endorsing him over Christy Clark, who's a Democrat, but maybe seen as too far leftist. Um, it's a tough, tough position to represent a town that does not have a lot of persons of color. Because I sit there in a dais, and I try to influence and get our community to come out. But number one, I will always check them. And I've been checking them since I've been on that dais. And if you've seen the news, I'm gonna continue to be the voice of integrity and honesty. Thank you, Mayor. Good luck. Thank you. All right, so he's gonna to continue to be the voice of integrity and honesty, but he's also gonna keep checking them. Who's them? I, I don't know. Who is them? Who's he checking? Just other government leaders, just other council members? I but I mean, the, the wind-up to that sentence was about the Black Political Caucus and how there aren't a lot of people of color in Huntersville, his term. And so he's going to keep checking them. And so it sounds to me like he's talking about white folks in Huntersville. That's what it sounds like he's, that's what it sounds like he's saying. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's what he meant. But that's what he said. Right? He... he oh, wait. What, what do the lefties call this? Don't they call it... Uh, what's the term? Uh... What is it? Uh, Oh, that's right. Dog whistle. Right. Is this a dog whistle? Is Derek Partee blowing the dog whistle here? Sending out the, the covert code here? Is that the deal? I'm just asking questions. Huntersville, you got an interesting race coming up here. Yeah, we'll be following it. All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturet organize the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturetts own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? All right, have you heard or seen about uh, this uh, story about the, uh, the bicyclist that set a Trump sign on fire in somebody's house, or at someone's house, I should say, on their front yard? This is out of, uh, well, the Raleigh area. I think it's out of the Raleigh, yeah, Raleigh area. And um, they have now identified this person. (laughs) They being Internet sleuths. This occurred at the house of one John Kane. John Kane. Wasn't he in the Batman movie? Wasn't he the guy from the Batman movie with the thing over his face? No. He was actually one of the candidates for North Carolina Republican Party chairman. Uh, Michael Watley beat him in that uh, in that race, although it was uh, it was kind of controversial. This from um, Stephen Horn at this week in Kane ran for North Carolina GOP chair at this year's convention in Greensboro, losing to incumbent Michael Watley. The election was extremely contentious with Kane and many delegates citing numerous irregularities and concerns with the electronic voting procedures used at the convention. Three delegates have since filed a lawsuit against the, uh, the North Carolina GOP in Wake Superior Court, asking the court to declare that the party violated its own rules and order a new election. But what this story, uh, it started off back in, uh, let me see, what are the dates here? Well, it, it started earlier, but the, the the dates in question are August 12th, 15th, and 18th. Okay? And get this, they busted this guy. Because of his use of an app, Strava, Strava, have you heard of this app? Strava. It allows people to share GPS logs of their running or cycling routes. Why would you do that? Why do I care what your route is? What's up with that? What? Like, Oh, what if you're in like a bicycling club? Yeah, still don't care. I still do not care what your route is unless, right? uh, Unless I live at your house and you're leaving from your house and you're like, Oh, I found a good route. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll ride your route. Show me what it is and then I'll follow it or whatever. But uh, like, aside from that situation, I can't really fathom why I would need to know what your running route is. Uh, Unless see, this is, this is what I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. Look at me. Yeah. Clocked in at, like, eight miles today. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was like, oh, it was awesome, man. I did the run, and I feel great, and I'm better than you are, and, like, here's my route. I'll show you my route. You want to see my route? I ran my route. I don't understand why people would want to, like, have this thing to publish for others to see. I literally don't care. Like, there there isn't any way for me to care less about your running route or your bicycling route. Well, I take it back. If I... Maybe I should start looking up the bicyclists' routes so as to avoid the bicyclists. Mm Hmm? Mm Hmm? Well, anyway, this idiot, he posted all of his routes up and somebody tracked it. (laughs) And they found, hey, look, he's riding his bicycle right past this guy's house on all the dates in question. Oh, and also... We uh, found uh, pictures of him that he posted onto his social media, and he's got the same tattoos. <laughs> Very unique tattoos on his forearm, on his left forearm. I don't know what it is. It looks like a cartoon bear of some kind, but n- like without color. It's just like an owl. It's like a it's like a stick figure, but it looks like a panda bear face or something weird. It's like it almost looks like a Mickey Mouse thing, like a circle and then two circles for ears on it. I don't know. Maybe he's a furry. I don't know. But like he's got this tattoo. It's it's super unique. I don't know why you're displaying it for everybody on your super important bike ride and all. But uh, yeah, when you ride up on your bicycle and the guy's got a camera set right onto his Trump sign and he's got you on one occasion trying to kick The sign down, which, by the way, apparently bicycling doesn't build up a lot of leg strength, which is weird because I thought it did. But this guy couldn't kick over a sign. He gave it like seven whacks with the foot. and He couldn't knock over the sign. So then he came back with one of those uh, lighters for like the grill, you know, like the really long lighters. And he he, he lit the thing on fire. And so then they put out a, a bolo for this guy. Hey, we need help. And then they put a reward out. And now some internet guy out of Lodi, California. I got stuck there once, but uh, he he figured it out. And so John Cain paid out this guy, anonymous, from Lodi, California. Paid him $1,000. And Tim Pool and Benny Johnson, they have offered five grand also. So this guy's going to make $11,000 for identifying the arsonist. And charges will be filed. More than 1,000 people still remain missing almost two weeks after... The wildfires in Hawaii. State officials warn that the death toll is going to go higher because right now it's a bit, it's a little over a hundred, but they just they don't know where like a thousand people are. The fire raised, r a z raised so obliterated most of the historic town of Lahaina, 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 Lahana. On Maui, August 8th, it's already one of the deadliest wildfires in modern U.S. history, but the full extent of its devastation may not be known for a long time, says Jacob Knutson at Axios.com. At least 114 people have been confirmed to have died in the Lahana fire as of Sunday. Hawaii Governor Josh Green told CBS News Sunday about 1,050 people remain unaccounted for. The police chief, John Pelletier, says... Uh, that rescuers who searched through the aftermath of 9-11 are now involved in the search in Lahaina, as well as 20 cadaver dogs. Part of the problem here, though, is that the temperature of the fire was so high that the remains of the deceased may just be impossible to recover. When... um, when the flight in Charlotte crashed, after it was the first aviation disaster in America after 9/11, it's about a year or so later, it was a commuter jet, took off from Charlotte, and it crashed. And as is often the case, you know, they don't let media you know get close, and when they do, they do a pool report. And at the time, I was a reporter here at WBT and I was selected as the pool reporter for all of the radio stations. And so I went to the scene, and the deal with being a pool reporter is that you go to the scene and you are not allowed to file a report for your own outlet first. You have to do all radio at once. So, like, you come back, you meet with all the radio people, and, you know, you give them all of the details. You can do a QA and a with them, but you got to give everybody the information at the same time. That's a pool report. The idea is then that you don't have, you know, 30 media people walking all over the, the crash site. You got one print, one TV reporter, uh, one still photographer, one video photographer, and one radio guy or gal. And so there's like five or six of us, and that's it. And we they drive us over because the plane had taken off. I believe there were uh, 19 passengers on board. I'm just I'm going from memory. I think, was it flight 1016? I think was the flight number. And it took off. The uh, I believe that the the final report, if memory serves, was that the the baggage was not loaded evenly or something on the plane, and so it was too heavy or something, and so when the when it took off, it shifted or something. in the anyway, they had a what wing stall, right? Where it didn't get lift. I know aviation people are like ripping their hair out right now, listening to me try to describe this. It's been it, it it's been a long time. It's been twenty years. But the one, well, one of the things I remember was that when they took us to the crash site, because it crashed onto, um, or right next to a hangar, like a a maintenance hangar. And um, they drove us out to the site. We're with the NTSB and the FAA folks. And we go out to the site and, you know, there's char marks, there's, you know, burn marks all on the ground and stuff. And there's debris but not a lot. And I asked them, did you clear the site? Have you taken stuff away? I guess, you know, cause there's not a lot here. And the people were like, no, this is exactly how it is, how it was when we got here. And I said, well, where's like, I expected a lot more debris. And he said, it all burned up. That's how hot it got. Cause there was jet fuel on the plane. It had just taken off. Everything burned. And so that's what they're facing now in Hawaii. The deaths from the fire have surpassed the toll from the 2018 camp fire in California. That killed at least 85 people. This fire in Lahana burned just under 2,200 acres. That is... Uh, about a little bit more than three and a quarter square miles. And if you want a gauge of the size of that burn, it's about 50% larger than Uptown Charlotte. All like, Imagine Uptown Charlotte inside of the 277 belt, right? Everything in there burned plus another 50%. Uptown Charlotte's about a little bit more than two square miles. Governor Josh Green said 2,200 buildings were damaged or destroyed in West Maui, uh, of which 86% were residential. Across the island, damage is estimated at close to $6 billion. There are 4,500 people in need of shelter as well. Uh, The wildfires are the state's deadliest natural disaster disaster. In decades, it has now surpassed a 1960 tsunami that killed 61 people. It's even deadlier. Um, yeah, it, it is likely to be even deadlier than the tsunami which hit in 1946. That killed 150 people on the Big Island, and it prompted the development of a territory-wide emergency alert system with sirens that are tested every month. Hawaii emergency management records do not indicate the warning siren sounded. We now, um, we know it, they did not. Officials sent out alerts to mobile phones, TVs, and radio stations, but widespread power outages and cellular outages limited their reach. Residents are being told do not drink running water, which may have been contaminated. Even if you boil it, they're saying do not drink it. Um, And only take short, lukewarm showers in well-ventilated rooms to avoid possible chemical vapor exposure. I see today now that the president um, has announced that he will go visit uh, Hawaii. And now I'm seeing this crawl on Fox News that the residents of East Palestine, Ohio, are slamming the response there uh, i believe the president has still not ever visited that area joe biden went to uh lake tahoe that's where he went uh, he went on vacation and if you ever want to see the double standard employed by the media this is it this is it the president goes on yet another vacation and last week when he was asked to comment about the wildfires on Maui on two different occasions said no comment. But now the White House is trying to tell us that no 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 he's been you know he's 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 been actively engaged in it. He's you know he, he's he's totally working on it from the beach in Delaware and now Lake Tahoe. I am never one of these guys that that begrudges a president for vacationing going on bike rides, golfing, whatever, because they really don't ever stop working. Although from the photos I've seen of Biden on the beach, he's definitely not working. He's sleeping. So, um, <laughs> but the coverage of a leader that is MIA on vacation, doing something else, not responding to a natural disaster. I'm old enough to remember when Donald Trump got savaged for, for throwing uh, paper towels To people after a hurricane leveled Puerto Rico. Right? He got savaged for handing out supplies. And doing it in in, uh, not a reverential enough way. Because he was like throwing it. I, I didn't have any problem with what he did. And the outrage that ensued over that was ridiculous. And now you got Biden who's literally vacationing in two different places. Two different vacations. Come on. consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful Downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Uh so last weekend, President Biden, First Lady Jill Biden, you call her Dr. Jill. Uh they uh they finally had to say that look, we're we're going to visit Maui as soon as we can, mainly because of all the criticism that they had gotten on the two prior occasions when they were asked about it. They were in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware last weekend, not not this past weekend, but the one before that, they were vacationing at Rehoboth Beach, hanging out on the beach, and uh they were riding the bikes around and on Sunday morning when some reporter asked him about, you know, like whether he's gonna go to Maui, he said, We're looking at it. And then a visit to the beach later that day, he was asked about the rising death toll, and he said no comment. That then drew criticism, and uh, then uh, Biden, on Tuesday, when he was doing that speech about the Inflation Production Act, he, um, uh, he then made some comments about going to Maui, so he had to kind of clean it up. Um, Jeff Blair... This was from National Review, writing about uh, the fire. This was from a couple of days ago. He says, there seems uh, to have been no firebug, uh, no terrorist act involved here, just fierce winds, misfortune, and an underlying shoddy infrastructure to blame. The last is sure to have local political consequences. Um, they actually began on August 8th. But news of the true scope of the disaster only began spreading as we headed into the weekend. So as the loss of life became known, the issue litigated in the opinion media became President Biden's seeming disengagement from all of it. He took a long weekend at Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. He uh, then two times refused to publicly comment on the matter, reinforcing a sense that he's disengaged from the tragedy. Last week, I made a, a joke that he was probably going to invoke his dead son, Beau Biden, as he does repeatedly on all sorts of things. And I said, I would not be surprised if he says, Beau Biden died in a wildfire. Earlier today, we have a statement from the white house. Quote, my heart, my prayers, and my focus are on the victims of the Maui wildfires and their families. I know how profoundly loss can impact a family and a community and and I know nothing can replace the loss of life. So there you go. He, right, talking about his son. Now, I, the other one is do you think he's going to mention the house fire? Remember, that had the house burned down with Joe Biden was in it, and then it turned out that actually didn't happen either. That lie, that story he told, we'll find out. David Strom at hotair.com, he says, Uh, Almost two weeks after the fire in Maui ripped through Lahaina, far too little is still known. Far too little has been done to help the victims and not enough attention has been paid to the series of government failures that led to the worst wildfire losses in American history. Instead, what we have seen on top of the human tragedy is yet another disastrous series of events that has undermined public trust in government and spawned a thriving industry in conspiracy theories of varying plausibility. There is, uh, first off, the fire itself started by poorly maintained power lines, which for years had been identified as a risk because of their poor condition and proximity to invasive grasses that act as tinder in late summertime. The power company was well aware of the issue and had been slow walking remediation. And apparently battling wildfires in Maui is a politically contentious issue, so much so that water is not routinely released to battle them. And in this case, it took hours to get the water turned on to battle the fire once it got out of control. Early in the day, the fire had been classified as contained, even though it was not. And the official in charge of the emergency response was a politician with no experience in emergency management who has since resigned. And by the time they allowed... The fire department to access the water source, the reservoir, to pour the water, to let the water fill into the reservoir. They could no longer access the water because of the fire. Just government failure after failure. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>